Grace and mercy and peace be with you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. As I mentioned during the announcements, but we were, we were still getting uh, gathered at that point, um, at the end of my sermon today, I'm going to invite forward my college friend, Greg Holtz, who is a missionary in Cambodia. Uh, many of you have, have come to this church in the last two years and haven't met Greg. Uh, he was, he's been here two different times uh, in the last couple of years. Um, and his wife and three children are, are here with us as well, Sanoon, uh, Richard, Julianne, and, and Elena. So uh, it's good to have them with us. And again, after the service, you can stop and talk to Greg, and, um, and there's an opportunity to, to give a donation or, or to purchase things all, uh, which will help him uh, in his fundraising efforts uh, at, with his ministry, which you'll hear about. But for the sermon this morning, uh, we are continuing with our summer sermon series called Summer in the Psalms, and we're taking a psalm each week and looking at it. Uh, last week, we looked at a psalm which uh, was, I, I think, probably one of the most well-known psalms, Psalm 23, right? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Today, we're looking at probably a much less familiar psalm, and it's Psalm 44. Psalm 44, and it is a psalm of lament, and we'll talk more about that in just a minute. But I want to ask you as we start this morning, uh, when you, quote-unquote, signed up for this Christian thing, when you signed up for this Christian thing, when you confessed Christ, what were you hoping to get out of the deal? Were you, were you hoping for financial prosperity, good health, a direct connection with God, or maybe as some people have in their minds, you know, the great genie in the sky who just uh, bids to your liking and grants all of your wishes, right? Is that... Is that what you hoped for? You know, we get, we get lulled or tempted into this impression that to be a Christian means to have it all together. Uh, to, to always be smiling, to always be happy, to always be prosperous. And if for some reason something bad is to come along, we're supposed to ignore it, pull up our bootstraps, and get faithful. Maybe you've heard that message proclaimed before from so-called Christians. That's one version of what people say Christianity might be. But I will tell you, that's not the biblical version of what Christianity is. The Bible never promises prosperity to the faithful. It doesn't promise perfect health, frankly. More often, it promises the exact opposite. There's a saying that I've heard before, and I'd like to share it with you, that the church, the church is more like a hospital for the sick than it is a country club for the comfortable. Yeah? The church, the church at large, and the gathering of God's people in a congregation is more like a hospital for the sick than it is a country club for the comfortable. But we get tempted into thinking that the opposite is true and that we just have it all together. But if this is true, and if this is the biblical version, and broken, sinful, destitute people are gathered together in this place, what are we supposed to do with all of this, all this brokenness? Well, the Bible is actually filled with very helpful language for us, particularly in the Old Testament in places called laments. In places called laments. Now, to lament in the English language means to uh, express grief or, or sorrow, something like that. 
But in the Bible, particularly in the Old Testament, this is a literary genre. It's called laments. And, and in the Bible, uh, you know that you're reading a lament when, something, when you're reading something like this. Somebody confesses a bold faith in God. It's, it's not a doubt of God or a, or a denial of his existence. It's a bold confession of faith followed by expressing disappointment or frustration with God when it seems like he's not acting as we think he should. That's what a lament is. And Psalm 44 is a, is a lament psalm. In, in the book of Psalms, there are different kinds of laments. Some are individual laments, which means it's, it's like words from an individual to God lamenting about a specific situation. And some are called communal laments, which means it's like a group of people uh, lamenting about their collective experience. Psalm 44 is a communal lament, and it is, it is the nation of Israel lamenting to God about the fact that they, that they feel like they're being attacked and God has abandoned them. Here's basically the, the structure of Psalm 44 that I just read for you, and this is common with all lament psalms. Basically, it goes like this. We, you confess faith in God, a bold faith in God, and then they rehearse the story of the past. If you were to read Psalm 44 again, they went through and said, you did this for our forefathers. You did this. You did this. And then it basically says, if that's the case, we believe in you. You've been with our forefathers. Where are you now in our time of trial? That is the lament. That is the lament. God's ways to us often seem strange. And his ways of going about things are often inexplicable. And Psalm 44 and all lament psalms are a prayer of faith in the face of the inexplicable. Now, in the book of Psalms, the, the genre of lament is actually the, the most occurring genre of psalms in the whole book. There are, there are 150 psalms, and some are psalms of praise, some are psalms of thanksgiving, some are hymns, but the most occurring kind of psalm are psalms of lament. And then also in the Old Testament, there's a whole book called Lamentations. Lamentations. <laughs> it's all laments. That's what that whole thing is. The book of Job is a lament. Why is there so much lamenting in the Bible? I would say because it's helpful for us to hear the words of faithful people express to their God, not denying him, not questioning him, but telling him, hey, if you are God and we believe in you, where are you now? See, this is our confession too, right? God is God. I belong to him. He created me. He loves me. He provides for me. Eternal salvation is mine through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So if all of this is true, God, where are you? Come on, get to work. In the middle of the night last night, maybe it was 1.30 or 2, I don't know, but our daughter Phoebe, who's one year old, was having a really tough night. We'll blame it on molars. I don't know. But I lamented last night, and I literally said, come on, Lord, let this kid go to sleep, right? That's what our laments sometimes look like, right? Where are you, God? Where are you? Just show up. Just show up. Haven't you heard people say, and maybe they've said it directly to you, where is this God of yours? Where is he? Where is he? 
You know when people say that they're actually trying to insult you, right? To, to question you, to insult you. That same insult was being heaped upon the people of Israel at the time of this psalm's writing. And that's why they prayed this prayer. This is essentially the prayer of Psalm 44, kind of again in my own words. But it's essentially this. God, we've seen how powerfully you've acted in the past. We know your commitment to us. We trust in your provisions. And frankly, as we prayed last week, if you were with us, in Psalm 23, God, we thought that you were our shepherd and we are your sheep and you're leading us to green pastures and still waters. That's what you told us. That's what we thought. But right now, it feels as though, verse 22, if you're looking at it, it feels as though we are sheep being led to the slaughter. It feels like we're sheep being led to the slaughter. What's the deal, Lord? What gives? We feel like we are being humiliated in the face of our enemies. And yet, even with all that, the psalmist turns the attention back to God and says this, if it's for your sake, if it's true that you are working all things out for good, then we are comfortable with you continuing to be the God who you are. See, the psalms see their suffering as service to the greater kingdom of God. This is the biblical understanding of suffering, that it sees it, if it's for God's sake, in light of service to the greater kingdom of God. And this idea continues throughout the Bible. In the book of Isaiah, there's a guy, a a prophecy called the suffering servant, where we see a serpent suffering. The, 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 The story of God's people continues with Jewish martyrs, The greatest suffering that ever occurred for our behalf was when God took on flesh in the person of Jesus Christ and went to the cross to die for your sake and for mine. And then the Apostle Paul even picks up on these words. We skipped over the epistle lesson today, but if you go back and read it, that's in Romans chapter 8. Paul quotes these words from Psalm 44, 22, when he is describing how nothing can separate us from Christ. He also says, but it feels like we are sheep being led to the slaughter. And Paul uses those words to encourage early Christians in the city of Rome during a time of persecution to see their difficulty in light of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, ultimately, this is where we find ourselves as well. We believe, we believe, and maybe I'm speaking on your behalf, but as as the church, we believe wholeheartedly in this God. As strange and inexplicable as his actions sometimes feel, we believe and we confess that God is our creator. He is the one who loves his broken creation so much that he actually took on that creation. He took on flesh and came into this world in the person of Jesus Christ to live a perfect life, to suffer, and to die. Jesus came into this world in order to rescue us, to redeem us, to die for us broken people. And his promise is that the eventual day will come when Christ returns to make all things new, to raise the dead, and to resurrect us and restore us to perfection. And so, therefore, with all of that, With all of that faith that we have to trust in him, we can, therefore, say to him, when it seems like he's not acting according to his plans, we can let him know. 
We can let him know. We can voice our concerns to him. We can even unleash our frustration on God. And yet we allow him at all times to remain who he is. This is what the conversation of the faithful looks like. This is why there are so many laments in the Bible, because faithful people lament. It is okay, frankly, it is good, dear friends in Christ, to speak honestly with your God. It is good for you to speak honestly with him and let him know about the brokenness that you are facing. And it is good for us to speak honestly with our brothers and sisters in Christ, because we are all broken. We are all sick, me included. And with this confession, with this lament, there is always, always good news. There is always forgiveness in Jesus. There is always new life in Jesus. Even in the midst of your lament, the forgiveness of Jesus is right there for you all the time. All the time. As I wrap up uh, my portion of the message this morning, and as I invite my friend Greg to come forward, I'm going to play a short video, a two-minute clip, uh, from, a, from a band called Rend Collective. I've, I've shared some of their music with you in the past, um, but they wrote a song called Weep With Me. Um, if you remember last year, there was, a, there was a bombing at a concert in Manchester, England, a terrorist attack. Uh, just a few days after that, uh, these guys wrote, a, wrote a, this song uh, called Weep With Me, a, a, a song of lament in a, in a hotel room in Budapest. And so um, I want to show you this brief clip. Uh, the, the guy who leads that band, Chris, will give a quick explanation of it. Uh, we're just going to listen to verse 1 and the chorus of it. So if you like the song, you can go home and look it up. It's called Weep With Me. Greg, you can work your way forward as we watch this. Hey, this is Chris from Ryan Collective. Just sitting in a hotel room in Budapest, kind of wrestling with a lot of the stuff that's going on in the news at the minute with Manchester, with bombings across the world, with just crisis after crisis and you know in worship it can sometimes be tempting for us to dial back our worship I guess or to become less honest and more divorced from what's going on in the world but if you look at the Psalms there's this whole genre called lament where we lift up songs that are full of the truth of what we're going through the wrestling that we're going through but also full of hopefulness full of faith we believe that we have a God who cares about our issues that he wants to hear us honestly wrestle with them and so we've written this song called Weep With Me. Um, we'd love to play it for you. We hope it helps you to kind of process these events and maybe put them into the light of God.
me That is Cambodian for good morning and may the peace of the Lord be with you. And also with you. Take a second. <laughs> How friends are you? Um, as Aaron said, my name is Greg. I am friends with Aaron from way back in our college days. Uh, we, were in a, we were in a band together, we made strange music, and we've kept in touch ever since. And, you know, whilst he went off to seminary and became a pastor, I took off for Cambodia, um, pretty much almost the opposite side of the planet. And there I learned to speak Khmer. I met a Cambodian woman. I ended up marrying her, having kids, and getting stuck over there. And for the last five years, I have been running a ministry called Crossing Cambodia. This is something we started uh, specifically to reach out to street children. Go on to the first slide. Or the next slide. Um, these look like normal kids, but these are kids who live on the streets. Uh, I've been here a couple times to explain this before, but if you haven't heard about it, these kids, they, they literally live on sidewalks in abandoned buildings. They have parents, and so the government says they cannot go live in an orphanage. They have to be with their families, even though their families are not capable of taking care of them. And so what we did is when we, uh, my friend Sokli and I, uh, she's the gal in the black shirt in the back. When we realized that these kids needed to be... Uh, she's not actually in the back here, in the back of the picture. <laughs> Sorry, I saw some people looking back towards the door there. Um, we, we, we saw this, that these kids wanted... They, they, they needed to be cared for, but no one was taking care of them. They couldn't get into a lot of programs that, that, that they needed to get into because they had family. They couldn't go stay in an orphanage. Um, sometimes they would get sponsored to go to school, but because their parents don't do the basic jobs parents are supposed to do, they kept dropping out of school. I mean, things that we take for granted, like somebody waking us up in the morning, somebody making sure we have clean clothes, that our homework is done. Uh, these kids, none of that was happening, and they were failing out of the first grade over and over again. And we saw this, and we thought we need to do something about it. And so, uh, Sokli and I, we started a ministry. We called it Crossing Cambodia. Um, mainly because I owned, um, I, that was my blog, and I owned the, web, the, the domain already, and everyone said, that sounds good. And so we picked five kids, we started enrolling them in school, we started picking them up every day at 6 a.m., go on to the next slide, we go out every day at 6 a.m. in two places like this, uh, by the riverside, to an abandoned railroad station, to find these kids where they sleep. We pick them up, we bring them back to our center in a truck, we feed them, we clean them up, we enroll them in school. Um, in the afternoons, they come back, they get tutoring, they get extra classes, uh, and they spend time with our staff. We, we have a system where we try and keep it five kids for every one staff person so that these staff are like, oh, big brother, big sister. Being the family to these kids, taking care of them, sharing God's love with them as, as is needed so that they can not only succeed in school, but that they have an influence in their life that will let them know there is a God that loves them. Go on to the next slide. Uh, and you know, you know, we'll, I don't know, do they have school buses here in Houghton? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, that's our school bus right there. <laughs> that's how we, we, we put about 25 children in the back of that, that pickup truck every single day. Uh, drive out, pick them up, bring them to our center, drive them to school, bring them back from school, and then we drive them back home every day. <laughs> Uh, go on to the next slide. And we've been doing this for about five years. And Aaron, 
Aaron was telling me about, you know, his sermon today was going to be about laments. You know, I think uh, this is me about 12 years ago when I first got out to Cambodia, and I was about 60 pounds lighter. I think Aaron and I kind of swapped roles. He was the bigger guy in college. <laughs> and, you know, over the course of 12 years, I, you know, I have probably led far more ineffective ministries than I have effective <laughs> ministries. It took me... You know, some se seven years to finally find what God was calling me to do, working with street kids. Uh, in those first seven years, I taught English classes. I coached soccer. I did youth groups. I attempted to do everything that was asked of me, whether I was qualified or not. I taught guitar lessons in spite of the fact that I really can't play guitar very well. I tried to set up computers. And, you know, a lot of times I failed. I, and I recognized that I did not, was not an effective missionary at times. You know, we get caught up in this idea that somehow God expects us to save everyone. You know, we, we, we have this idea that we're going to go out and the whole world is going to believe God in our lifetimes. And that puts a lot of pressure on us, on us to, to, to share the, the gospel. Now, it also puts a lot of pressure on us in that when we fail, we feel like we've really failed. And we end up, and that's where the laments come in. I have had a lot of laments in my time as a missionary. Um, if any of you get my newsletter, last year uh, was not a good year for me. I had three kids that I care very much about quit our program. I mean, it's, it's hard to ask a 12-year-old to make that decision to stay in school themselves. They see their friends running around doing whatever they want, finding money, uh, going to play video games, you know, and sometimes their parents are just so so far gone that you know they don't even tell the kids to go to school. The kids have to make that decision themselves. And when those kids drop out, it's like a, it's like a punch in the gut. And sometimes, and I, and I lament, God, where are you? God, why are you letting these kids go? Why, why can't you give me the things I need to help these kids? Um, you know, and I, I did have kind of an emotional breakdown last October. I was back fundraising. I had a Sunday off, I was visiting a church, and I, in the middle of church, I just broke down. I could not, could not handle it. Like, I just kept saying, God, why, why can't you give me the things I need to reach out to these kids? And you know, I, I have to remember there are over 20 kids still in our program. We currently have 25 kids enrolled. We are reaching out to them daily. We are sharing God's love with them daily. But what? You know, as I, as I thought about this, and as I did read the laments of, men, of the psalmists, of lamentations, and of the prophets in the Old Testament, go to the next slide, I, I came across Micah. And as I, I read through Micah, and then I looked up what Micah did, and uh, Micah spent his entire life prophesying, proclaiming the word of the Lord, trying to get the nations of, of Judah and Israel to come back to God. And it, you know, he spent his entire life watching things get worse, actually. You know, and he says in, in Micah 6, 8, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. God does not tell us to go out and save everyone. God does not tell us it is your, you know, you need to have good results. You need to succeed at this. God says be obedient. He tells us very simply, act justly, do what is right, love mercy, love others, be kind to others, and to walk humbly with God. The results, 
you know, we don't always get the results we want in missions, and we lament that a lot. You know, it's frustrating to see children that we can't help sometimes. It's frustrating to, to know about, you know, people in America who just can't appreciate what they have sometimes. It is frustrating as a missionary. But God tells us, you know, God comforts us by reminding us, it is not your job to save the world. It is your job to obey and to walk with me. People tend to think of missionaries as some kind of, you know, um, like super, super Christian, or as if we're like the special forces of the church dropping into the pagan world where no one else will go. <laughs> and the reality is God simply said, go to Cambodia, you know, and he has not said that to everyone. He said that to me, though, and I, and I went, and, you know, I struggle frequently. I, I have trouble keeping up with my own Bible studies sometimes. I, I wrestle with God. I argue with God. I get upset at God, just as everyone does. But my call is to be obedient to God. And he said, go to Cambodia, and he put the street kids in front of me and said, take care of these kids. Do something for these kids. And so that's what we've been doing for the last five years, and I've, like said, like Aaron shared, I've been here twice before to share with you about the ministry. I think the first time I came out here, we were just starting this ministry up. came out about two years ago. And I get to update you on some big changes that we've been doing over the last, last year, actually. Go on to the next slide. The, um, the biggest change for us, if you, if you get our newsletters, is that we moved into a new facility recently. Uh, our expenses were getting out of control. We had this big, very nice building and it was costing us a whopping $600 a month. <laughs> and we decided we're gonna move. You know, we, we needed to pay higher salaries to our staff. The, everything was kind of getting out of control at our center and we found a much, not a, small, a, a smaller building, but the same size property, that just one that needed to be cleaned up a lot. And we're now paying $130 a month for rent there. Uh, go on to the next slide. As you can see, this is our new building. It's, uh, it's small, it's a three bedroom house. It's pretty, pretty humble, but our kids love it there because it has big open space around it. Lots of mango trees, lots of banana trees. Um, go on to the next slide, we've been cleaning it up. The whole place was practically a dump when we first moved in. Um, I wish I'd taken a picture the first day I was there of the lot surrounding the property. Uh, you can just see that's like our grass huts getting constructed in the back there versus what they are more recently. We've been dropping gravel everywhere, moving trash. I mean, the property was just a complete mess. But our, kid, you know, our kids have been working hard at cleaning it up with our staff, and we've been making it as, as awesome a place as possible because we want this to be a place where the kids want to come every day, where they not only feel safe, but where they want to be, where they get fed, where they have fun, where they, you know, that they can, because they don't really have a home where they are, they can call this their home. Go on to the next slide. And you know, over the last, as, as we've been doing this for five years, um, several of our kids are growing up. You know, we, we started with all kids in the first grade, basically, and now our oldest kids are in the fifth grade. And we have a staff member who's taking on the role of basically, he's doing like confirmation classes with the kids two times a week. Uh, after all the little kids go home, he actually volunteers to stay after for about another hour and do Bible classes with the older kids. Going over that with them, you know, what is, what is, who is Christ? What is the gospel? What does this mean for us? Um, I gave him all the confirmation materials I collected over the years, and he's been working his way through those with these kids. Go on to the next slide. 
And as we reach out to these kids, something I would really ask that you please pray with us about is we are looking for ways to reach out to the young boys in our program. Um, you know, some of the girls, we have plans to hire them as uh, junior children's advocates with jobs at the center, helping to take care of kids, um, cooking while still staying in school. But the boys, you know, we're, for a while we thought we were going to try and start a farm, and that all fell apart back in January. But something happened back in June. This boy, his name is Hua, and his father died. His father got drunk and fell into a lake and drowned. And we realized, you know, he's the oldest boy in our program, and we need to reach out to, to these young boys because uh, the nation of Cambodia is currently, I believe the, the most recent statistic is that over 50% of the population is under the age of 18. It is a very young nation. And, then, and whilst it's great that there are a lot of programs reaching out to children and women and fighting sex trafficking, there are a lack of programs reaching out to young men. And really, you know, we need to reach out to young men if we want to change society. We need to reach out to young men if we want to, there, to, to, to break down the demand for all these vices that, that are driving problems in, in Cambodia. Um, and boys like Hua, we figure that is a way we can start. We are, plan hope we are hoping to raise funds to start a boys' center um, that operates in the evenings from like 4 o'clock until maybe 10 or 11 at night. The idea being that, first off, there is nowhere, there's really nowhere positive to hang out in Bong in the city that we work in. Uh, everything shuts down at about 7 o'clock. If you want to go out after that, you either go out to a beer garden to go drinking or you go to a karaoke bar to go sing karaoke with prostitutes. There is no positive places for young men to go spend time in the evenings. Uh, we also want to provide work opportunities for boys like Pua. Um, the idea with the, the men's center being, it, you know, we'll set it up possibly half cafe, half gym, and he, boys like him can help maintain it, help run it, help keep an eye on things, and we can give them a job. Um, that is one of the biggest reasons why we had kids drop out, is they want money. They want to find money. And if we can offer them a job in exchange for staying in school, we can, we can not only influence them positively, but we can get them further in school, we can help break that cycle of poverty, and we have more opportunity to share the gospel with boys like him or any boys that would come to this young men's center. Um, so I just ask you to please pray with me as we are looking to raise support. You know, we need about $10,000 to set up the center and run it for the first year. Uh, we're hoping that after about a year or two, we can actually figure out what's going to work and make it into a small business that will support itself. Um, but please pray with us as we try to reach out to these young men, as we keep reaching out to these street children and trying to make a difference in Cambodia. And as we seek to be obedient to God, even, even when we feel like we failed, let us you know, pray that we continue to serve God and be obedient to him. Yeah. Awesome. So, and uh, after service, please drop by, you know, the tables in the back. I have all sorts of good stuff from Cambodia. All of that is, is stuff we bring over to help fundraise, to raise support, hopefully remind you to pray in your daily lives. There's coffee, there's scarves, there's, um, we have, we have something new we have this year is a sandstone and foot balm combo for you ladies. So take, take, come by, grab a brochure, sign up for our newsletter. Um, take a look at what we got and you know, ask any questions you may have. Awesome. Well, Greg, you asked for prayer. Let's, let's pray for Greg right now.
Gracious God, we thank you uh, for safe travels for Greg and Sanoon uh, and family to be here with us and uh, to share about the, the ministry in Cambodia. Uh, as he has asked specifically, Lord, we pray that you will provide means and opportunities to reach these young men specifically and uh, continue to encourage uh, Greg with your uh, almighty wisdom and, uh, and, and uh, peace and strength in Jesus' name. Amen.